Kiddushin, Kiddushin Daf Lamed. We're starting from the first line down here. So we've been talking about that it's good to get married young. So now the Gemara is talking about continuation of the right age for Chinuch here. So the Gemara says, So when you still have your hand, when your hand is on the neck of your son, meaning you still have control over him, then then that's when you're supposed to get, teach him. And that what is that age? Until 16, until 20, to 22. Very important, Rashi, to understand why 16 to 22. Rashi writes, Mishitzar, Shinin, Higiazman Lichnos, Yosem Esmertazan Al Tachreo. So the idea is, and Rashi moves on in the bottom, that under the age of 16, Einlo Das Lekabot Hochachot Kokach. He doesn't understand well the Musr. He just sends his rage. You're not giving a kid Musr when he's under 16. You're just showing him rage. More than 22, when you show someone too much, the criticism they can't take. So it's fascinating. The older you get, you can't take too much criticism. But when you're too young, also, it doesn't, the Musr doesn't go in. You just sense the emotion. So the sweet spot here, the Gemara is saying, is 16 to 22. A lot of people say, it's 18 until 24. What the right age is. So, what does that mean here? So, it's supposed to be Anar. One says 16 to 22. One says 18 to 24. It says, We learned yesterday, we're in the sugya of how much you have to teach your son and certain mitzvahs you have to do for your son. So, one of them was to teach him Torah. To what extent do you have to teach your son Torah? example of someone named Zvulun Bentan, Rashi says he just happens to be a certain person they were familiar with. Shalimdo Avi Aviv, his grandfather taught him, Mikra Mishnah Talmud Halachos Fagadas. So that's right, the whole, the whole gamut, the whole thing. It says the Gemara, Mesri Vakash from the Bride, Shalimdo Mikra, if a father teaches his son, so him, in Malam the Mishnah, he doesn't have to teach him more. He's not obligated to teach him Mishnah. Meaning to say, once the kid knows the basics, he knows Psokim, he can teach himself to rest. For Amar Rava Mikra, what is Mikra? It's Torah. It's not even all of Tanakh, but rather the five books of the Torah. So here we're saying, as we like Zulu Midan, where his grandfather taught him everything, and yet here we're saying, no, it's just a little bit of Sukkim is good. So my answer is no, because Zulu Midan, when Shmuel said it's like Zulu Midan, he meant only in one regard, but not like in all regards. Because Zulu Midan, it had to be like Zulu Midan, that the grandfather taught him. So too, there's a chiyav for grandparents to teach their grandchildren. That was the point that we were trying to say, that the extent of it is, when we say the extent, means an extent of the generations. One shouldn't think it's only for the father to the son. Rather, it's like Zulim bin Dan, or it's even for the grandfather. The local Zulim bin Dan, but it doesn't mean the content of what you're teaching him has to be like Zulim bin Dan. You have to teach him all that he taught him everything. Whereas by Shmuel, the Chiyav, we're learning, Tamatar is only for Pesachim. Okay, so the main point we're coming out is that Shmuel was trying to say is that a grandfather has to teach, but in terms of what exactly you have to teach, you only have to teach Pesachim. Practic Mar questions. What are we saying? A grandfather to teach Torah. Rabbi, often me, Mechayev is a grandfather. Chayev to teach Torah. Rabbi, it says in a brayso. You should teach to your sons. Below bnei bneichem. You don't have to teach to your grandsons. Only your sons, not grandsons. Amani Mechayev adam v'nach v'leiv v'nacha. I just another pasuk that says you should make them known. The Torah you should make known to your sons and to your grandsons. So it seems like you should. That pasuk just comes to tell you. Kol lamnis b'no Torah. Anyone who teaches sons Torah. Malalakas of the Torah considers it kilimdu love with no benavano. It's as if you taught him his grandson and great grandson. Atzakoladar is for for eternity. Meaning, when you teach a kid Torah, you're enabling him to teach his kid Torah. So when you teach a kid Torah, it's as if you're teaching his son and the grandson and the great grandson. So what do I see? 
that the reality is there's no chiv to teach a grandson. It's just the pasuk that says when you teach your grandson just means that by teaching your son, it's going to continue and, 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 and evolve into, in, into him teaching his son. But there's no actual obligation to teach a grandson. So we have a contradiction. Are you chayv to teach a grandson Torah or not? So the Gemara defends Shmuel. It's actually a machlokas tanom. You're right. That price a conflicted Shmuel. But Shmuel said his statement like this time. The Tanya says in the price of Muslims, you should teach your sons. In the other, I'm going to say your sons, I'm going to say your sons, I'm going to say your sons, I'm going to say so why does it emphasize in the first pasuk sons? If we're saying the other pasuk says you have to teach even grandsons, why emphasize sons at all? Your sons means the exclusion of your daughters. So you don't have to teach your daughters. You do have to teach your sons, and you do have to teach your grandson. So we come out. It's a machlokas if there's a chiyav tamatara to one's grandson. Says the Gemara, Amar of Shuvan Levi. Anyone who teaches his grandson Torah. There's a special school for teaching an Enochal Torah. It's as if he has personally received the Torah from Arsini. Right next to that passage where it says that a person is teaching the grandson Torah. Right next to that it says, To remember the day that you stood in front of Hashem at Arsini. So the passage juxtapositions the two points to say as follows. And one teaches his grandson Torah, it is considered as if he personally got the Torah from Arsini and he relates it then to the future generations. Says the Gemara, we see a story where Bishub and Levi cared so much about his grandson's learning. One time, he found Bishub and Levi, he had thrown a sheet over his head. And that was obviously a little bit weird. Normally, he wore a proper yarmulke or, or, or a hat. But instead of that, he just had some sort of sheet on his head. He was bringing his grandchild to the base medrash to come and learn. Amalei Abchia said, in others, obviously what had happened was he was in such a rush to take his grandson to learn that he didn't have time to properly search for his hat in his house. He had thrown a sheet over his head. So he said to Amalei, my coolie, hi, what's the rush? Everybody calm down. You can get, we'll, wait, we'll wait for you to get your hat. Is it a small thing, this lesson, that anyone who teaches their grandson Torah, it's as if they personally got the Torah from Arsini. So the point that we're trying to say is that um, he valued this lesson to such a great degree that it was worth, it was worth uh, hurrying about. And he had a custom not to eat anything in the morning. Even it was a little bit of uh, roasted meat, Rashi says. They used to eat for breakfast. So they, they had a, a minute that he wouldn't eat breakfast uh, to make the new most until he had reviewed the, the psukim with his grandson what he had learned the day before and had learned him learned with him another puzzle. Rabbi Rabbi Huna had happened. He had a cousin not to taste the umsa in the morning at the miserly new until he, he brought his grandchild to the base medrash. Here we're talking about learning Torah. You should teach it well to your children. So vishinantam a little bit of a, of a compound words here because vishanisem is really the, the main word but instead of saying vishanisem to learn it's like there's an extra nun so there's the, that's the idea is that you should double it up like shini like again so do, to do it here a second time so the idea is vishan, that's what vishanisem would have meant vishanisem with the extra nun is kind of mashma that there's three learnings vishanisem vishinanta so the Gemara says my desiv what's the pshat in this it says if it said that you should have three Three divided parts of learning. A person should divide the years of his life into thirds and spend different his years learning different parts of Torah. A third you should study Pesachim. A third learn Mishnah. A third learn Gemara. Split it up into thirds. So, so, so the Gemara says, But how do you do that? How do you know how long you're going to live? Right? That doesn't work. 
So the Mark explains, we mean in terms of every single day. Every single day, you should divide you should divide it into doing that. Now, actually, Rashi is interesting. Rashi seems to say you divide the week into thirds. In other words, Rashi says, so, 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 so as Taisu says, it means every single day you should divide it into a third. I guess the point is you might die that day, so you only have the day to work with. I saw, Yishonim already tell us, tells us that today, you learn Talmud Bavli, you get everything. Because it's got Pesokim, it's got Mishnah, it's got everything. You don't have to divide it in, in that way. All right. Says the Gemara now, a new discussion here. The Fikah, Nikru, Rishonim, Seifrim. Why are the, the, the Chachamim called Seifrim? Right? Seifrim, Tiberi Seifrim, we always say it's Rabban and Seifrim. What does that mean? Literally, Lispar in Hebrew means to count. So why are they called the people who count? They used to count all, all the letters of the Torah. Now we learn a few interesting points about the letters of the Torah. They used to say, Vav de Gachon, the letter Vav of the word Gachon. Gachon is, is in a Parsha Shemini when it says, All the things that, that creep, like the creepy, crawly creatures that go on their bellies. Gachon means a belly, you're not allowed to eat. So the Vav in the letter of Gachon, that's the halfway point of the letters of the Sefer Torah. So obviously, in order to do that, you got to count up all the letters. Darosh Darash. The words Dorosh Darash from Parshas, Parshas Shmini, where, uh, where Moshe Rabbeinu was darshaning the words of the Torah. So, so, so Chetzon Shotevos, that's exactly the halfway point of the Torah's words, exactly half the way, half the way through of the Torah. The Hizkalach, and the word, the, the Pasuk that starts with, the, with, with, with Hizkalach, so that Pasuk is talking about uh, the Mitzorah over here. Says Vihiskalach that he should shave himself, shall psukim. That's the halfway point of all of the psukim in the Torah. The Pasuk says, So this is a Pasuk in Tehillim. The letter Ayin of that of that Yar is the halfway point through Tehillim. And the Pasuk which says, is the halfway point of all the psukim of Tehillim. So interesting things that they used to. Uh, count up and tally up the halfway thing of letters, the halfway thing of the words, and the halfway thing of the Pesukim, both that they would do this in the Torah and in Tehillim. Says the Gemara, we just said that the letter Vav is the midway point. Which side is it? Is it part of the first side or part of the second side? Meaning, are we trying to say it's, got, you've, it, it's the last letter of the first half of the Torah? Or are we trying to say it's the first letter of the second half of the Torah? So Rambulay, they said to him, nice to I mean, this is such a hard question. Why don't you just count it? Just figure it out. Just take out a Sefer Torah and let's figure it out. Didn't we say once for a different question? The Rabbi Rachana says they didn't move until they took a Sefer Torah out and they counted. So let's count it. You're talking about people who had real knowledge about the certain letters in the Torah that are meant to be missing and certain letters in the Torah that are meant to be extra. There are many traditions about Certain letter, certain words that can be spelled different ways. So you have to have a real accurate transmission in the Messiah about which letters in the Torah are chaser, which ones are yeser. And on the weekend, we don't know. So we don't have the knowledge, we can't make the calculation. Now the Ramam already brings out this point. It's really an incredible point that we don't know if any Sefer Torah that we have is kosher. Mm-hmm. Ever thought about that? Never really have any of the Gemara says, and on the weekend, we love, we're missing the Messiah, we're missing the tradition. That's the whole, the whole theory of the Rambam that you could be good to create a Torah with a Sefer Torah, which is puzzle. It's very clear. Right? It makes sense when you follow the Gemara to say such a conclusion. My side, I've read the contents of the Torah. Whether it's written perfectly is very different. 
to be Yaitze Kriya Satayra and having a Kashra Sefer may be different things. We're used to try to be Machmer, and I like that opinion, right? We're usually, if you find something wrong with the Sefer what do you do? You swap it for another Sefer That's what we try to do. Well, the Maitre, there are many of you showing who say not that way, and this is really the source. What does that mean? You're swapping it because there's a mistake. You know, hey, the next one that you take out, you know, is Kashra. We don't, we're missing the correct knowledge of what the way the Torah should be written. But Rav Yosef, his Kalach, this that we said, the midpoint of all the Tzilkim and the Torah is the Pasuk that starts with his Kalach, the same question. Me'agisa, me'agisa. Is it on the end of the first side or the beginning of the second side? I'm going to buy psukim yelim yelim. At least for the psukim, we should be able to count, right? We may, not, we may be missing certain traditions about the letters, but higher we know how to count psukim. So let's count it. So if you say, no, psukim, even for psukim, we don't know. The chiyas of Achrava, we're missing a certain tradition about psukim. But my rabba, Pasuk, I grew up, let's also be psukim. Now it's necessarily divided the following Pasuk into three psukim. Pasuk in Kisisa. It says, And the Pasuk goes on to say, So how many Pesukim is that? One, two, three? So where do you put the end of the Pasuk? So they had lost the tradition on that. So we're actually not able anymore to accurately count Pesukim of the Torah. It says the Gemara, how many Pesukim really are there? There are 5,888. That's how many psukim in the Sefer Torah. Yes, they're allowed to heal him. Shmona. Tillam has eight more, has eight more than, than, uh, than this. Chazimimimimimu, Dibri Hayyamim, Shmona. Dibri Hayyamim has eight, which is less than this. Eight less than that number. Okay, so all these are very close. Interesting to see. Torah, Tehillim, and Dibri Hayyamim are very close. Minus uh, a little bit, a little bit here and a little bit there. It says the Gemara Tanar Abadon, it says in the Rise of Vishinanta, what is the meaning of Vishinanta? Again, Vishinanta means to teach Torah. But it means should be sharp. So we're saying to say Vishinantam is like Shinun. Shinun can mean sharp. Before we were saying Vishinantam, teach it, and then teach it again. Vishinantam was then said an extra third time. But now we're making another Joshua. Shinun means sharpness. That Tivritor should be sharp. It should be so clear to you that if someone asks you a question, you're not stammering, you're not hammering, you're not waiting trying to figure out the answer on the fly. Rather, you've got it on your fingertips. You can answer him immediately. What does the Pasuk say? How do we relate to wisdom, the wisdom of the Torah? Like a sister, just like a sister is forbidden. Everybody knows that. That halacha is so clear to everybody. That's what all Torah should be like. For Omer, another Pasuk, you should tie them on your fingers, you inscribe them on the luach, like on the tablet of your heart. But Omer, another Pasuk, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of youth. What's the children of youth? The Torah that you learn when you're a kid, that you remember. So those are like arrows, the idea that we're relating to sharpness. Be sharp in Torah. Omer, the sharp arrows of a warrior. Omer, arrows are sharp, the enemies fall to you. So this is all a reference to Torah, the sharpness in Torah. Praise with the person who fills himself, he fills it with the Torah, and they will not be shamed when they speak with enemies in the gate because they've always got the sharpness of Torah to protect them. Okay, what does it mean when they speak to their enemies in the gate, right? The sharpness of Torah protecting you, great. But what does it mean, the enemies in the gate? Mayas oyevim bashar. Amar afchiyabar abba, very big yisoyed. Afilu abu benova rava tamid. Sometimes you can have a father and a son. They obviously love each other. Teacher and a student in a very close relationship. Sha'iz kimbatei rebishar echo. They're starting learning Torah together in one gate. Meaning they're learning together. They're, they're in it together. The gates of the city normally is the Sanhedrin. What it happens now? So Ivim says that what happens is they start battling. It's like uh, the process. They debate with one another. It looks like they're fighting it out. They're duking it out. But the reality is, is that 
the different ways of thinking about something is producing more Torah into the world. They don't move from there. Eventually, what happens is they become devoted, loving friends of one another through the process of learning. As we see in the Pasuk, so if this is talking about the wars of uh, the wars that were fought for Hashem in the, in the Midbar, this is Parshas Chukas as Vahiv Besufa. So the simple shot is that that's referring to the places that they fought. But there, rather, we look at it homiletically. It's Vahiv Besufa, Al Tekre Besufa, El Besofa. In the end, we're talking about the wars, in the end, that we're saying that they will, um, the wars that happen through the books, through, through learning, there's going to be friendship at the end. So it seems like there's debate. You walk into the base matters, it just looks like everybody's screaming at each other. But the reality is that that's just the way that the Torah is processed, the way the Torah is brought out, and eventually they love one another. Continues the Gemara, more about Torah. So what is Samtem? Literally, you should place. But Sam also means like a, a potion, like a medicine. Sam Tam, it's the most perfect of, of potions here. It's like a life-giving potion. You could have a, a scenario where a person hit his son a great blow. And the idea is, I guess it was Musr back in the time when he used to hit. But then he loves him. So he puts a, a, a retia, some sort of um, medicine, me, medic, medical bandage over his wound. He says to him, as long as you're careful to keep to keep the bandage on, you eat whatever you'd like, drink what you want, you don't have to be worried that you're going to get weakened, that it's going to hurt your wound, because your wound is covered. Everything is fine. But if, unfortunately, you do remove it, it's going to turn into boils. It's going to be dangerous. So, so too, so that's the patch. I gave the Torah as tavlin. I created the Torah with like a tavlin, literally means spices, like as ways of curing it. If you learn Torah, you won't be given to the safe, to the Yitzhar. It says in the Pasuk, regarding Yitzhar, if you correct yourself, say, you'll do well. But if you don't, it's a guarantee you're going to fall to the Yitzhar. It's the sin rests at the door. The whole point of the Yitzhar is to get you. The whole life is busy with you. So you don't necessarily spend your our whole days trying to fight the Yitzhar. We have to do other things in life. Yitzhar is spending every second trying to get you. But if you wish and you use Torah, then you will be able to control the Yitzhar. Just to share a beautiful idea from Abel Yapian, he said the muscle and nimshal is off. Because here, the one thing is, is that you're putting the bandage over the wound, and then you don't have to worry about it. But the Torah said, but what does it say about the Torah? The Torah is tavlin. So he says, tavlin means spices. The idea is not that you cover up the, the Yitzhar. We're not trying to bottle it up. It's not like a, a bandage that covers the wound. But rather, you work with the Yitzhar. The only way to, 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 use, to work with the Yitzhar is to use it, to influence it, to use it in the good. And then you give it like a spice, like you have something bland, which can be horrible taste. But if you spice it, then it brings out the correct taste. Taira is the spice for the Yitzhar. That's what he brought out from this Gemara. And again, basically, you study the Gemara, but it's unbelievable Musr. Without Torah, the Gemara says pretty explicitly, without Torah, you have no shot of winning. It's an unbelievable idea. No shot of winning against the Yitzhar without Torah. Says the Gemara, Tanarab, Anon, Kashi, Yitzhar. It's very bad, the Yitzhar. Shafilu, Yotzer, Kuro, Even the Ebishta, called Kolora, the Ebishta defines that what's the Yitzhar? It's bad. It's, you know, it's got like a, a chiddush every day. A new chiddush the Yitzhar comes with. 
Every day he comes back. Every day he tries to overpower you and kill you. The wicked one is watching for the tzaddik. He's 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 to go kill him. If not for the fact that Hashem would help the person in Yachalom, he would never be able to withstand the Yitzhar. Another huge point. Before we learn that the Torah is the only solution, now we're seeing that without Hashem you can't do it. It's all the same. Obviously, Torah is meant to connect you to Hashem, but the point is that we can never think that we actually have the strength to win over the Yitzhar ourselves. It's only through having assistance from Hashem. My son, in if this repulsive one is, is like he's, he's debating with you, he's encountering you. The, the solution is try to pull him, spend more time in the base measures. And Evan, who, what's going to happen if he's like a stone, if he's even if he's like iron, he'll shatter. Meaning, no matter how strong he seems, if you infuse the power of Torah, he'll, he will break down in front of you. My words of Torah are like fire, says Hashem, and like a hammer that shatters from the rock. So what does that mean? All those who are thirsty go to the water. So what does the water do? The water breaks down the rock. Torah here is compared to the water which will break the rock. That's what we see. The water breaks down the stones. So this is what we see. The power of Torah brings to the base measures. That's how you defeat the Yitzhar. Now we go back to analyze the price that we started yesterday. That a man has an obligation to help his son get married. Where do we see this? Take um, I'm sorry. Take women. Take wives. Well, the Banavanos have children, sons and daughters. Take uh, women for your sons. and daughters to Nashim. Give your daughters to husbands. So you see over here that you should try to help marry off your kids. The Mar says that's good. A father can marry off his son. You have the capability of doing that. Is it within his hands to marry off his daughter? So what's the question? The idea is that the person normally the man it goes to the woman. So therefore, it makes sense that a father can help his son go get married. But for a daughter, it's, you need a son-in-law to come along and take her. What's the father supposed to do? Says the Kabar, it's very simple what he should do. Give her money. Give her good clothing. Give her a good dowry. And cover her. And she said, people, the men, will be jumping at the opportunity to date this girl. The Lama Umdas, you shall have a father has a chief to teach his son in Umdas a, a craft to know, how, to know how to survive in life. See life with the woman you love. So, what are we saying? Life means how to earn a livelihood. That's the idea. So, the livelihood is next to the woman. It means literally woman. So, too, you have to, just as you have to take a wife for your son, so do you have to teach him a craft. In Torah, and if it means for Torah, that you have to study Torah, it means just as you have to teach your son Torah, so do you have to teach him a craft. Second, the Gemara, the Braza, a second, another obligation. Some say, a father is obligated to teach him how to swim. My time, what is the reason that you have to teach your son to swim? Because it's his life. Right, his life is at stake. He would be in danger if he doesn't know how to swim. Someone who doesn't teach his son a craft is teaching him how to steal. He didn't teach him how to steal. He just didn't do anything. By not teaching him the livelihood, so then he's for sure going to have to steal. What is the practical difference? Right, the Tanakhama also said that the father has to teach his son a craft. What is Rabbi Huda adding by saying without teaching him a craft, you're teaching him how to steal? They're not, you're not, what's the difference between him and the Tanakama? Says the Gemari, even now the Gemari Yiska. The difference is, is if you train him in business. So I hope there's no business majors over here, but the Gemara looks horribly at business. Why? Because it's not a craft. There's no security. 
right? What do you mean? You, what do you know how to do? You don't know how to do anything. You just, if you have goods, you know how to, how, to, how, to, how to sell them at a profit. That's not knowing how to do something. You know how to do something, you know, you know how to make a table, right? That, you, know how to, you know how to make money. So, so this, that's the difference between them. So Tanakama holds a Yerotei, even with teaching his son to, uh, business. Whereas Rabbi Yudah holds, no, business is not secure enough, and then you could theoretically resort to stealing. Comments was av alaben. Anything that the son has to do for the father, uh, boys and girls both alike have to do. So the Gemara just clarifies that that's the meaning. If it would mean the opposite, things that a father has to do for his son, how could the Mishnah say that both men and women are obligated? Are women obligated? Do mothers have to do everything the fathers have to do for their children? Only a father has to do for Smila and Pidyan Ben for his son. Only the father is obligated, not the mother. So clearly that's not the meaning of the Mishnah, that anything that a parent needs to do for a child the, the women are chayven as well. Amar though what it means is the opposite. Any obligation that a child has to do for a parent, both sons and daughters are chayv. So what's the classic example of something that a child has to do for his parent? This refers to The Pasuk says, Ish, that a man should fear his parents. I would only know that boys have to do kibbut aim. How do I know that daughters as well? It says Tirau in the plural. We're talking about two, both men and women. Why is it saying ish as if it's only a man? The answer is ish because a man is always high to carry out keep it off him. No one can ever have the authority to stop him. Isha regarding a woman she's not always able to do it because she's under the jurisdiction of other people meaning when she is married if her if, if a husband doesn't want his wife to do keep it off him, then the halacha is that she is pater incredible halacha it's in Shulchan Aruch that if a husband doesn't want the wife to do it then theoretically she becomes pater says the Gemara Marvidi Baravin she becomes divorced, then she, they become equal. Meaning, it's not like once she could get out of it, she gets out of it. It's only temporarily while she's under jurisdiction of her husband. Says the Gemara honor your father and mother. Also says to honor Hashem. So you see the same language: honor your parents, honor Hashem. You see the greatness that there's almost like an equality in the Torah. It, that it's, it, it, it's just as chashrif to honor your parents as it is to honor Hashem. It also says to fear your parents and to fear Hashem. So we see the same language. The Torah is equating fearing one's parents with fearing Hashem. It says that someone who curses his parents should be put to death. Also it says someone who curses Hashem is put to death. The same thing, that it's just as severe to curse one's parents as it is to curse Hashem. There's also another thing that says, don't hate your parents. But that, we can't equate. Why? Because you can't hit Hashem. It's impossible to hit Hashem. Now the Gemara says, it's rational, it's logical that it's so important. The three of them, the Hashem and the parents, are all partners in creating the child. There are three partners of When a person honors father and mother, I consider it it's as if I live among them and they have honored me. Right? What does it mean? Hashem says it's as if I lived among them. So we know that the whole thing is that it has the shame Hashem in it. It has the, the Yud and, 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 and the Shin. And the shin uh, combining the two things to say the name of Hashem. So Hashem's name can get into the couple, get down into them if they uh, if if everything happens uh, correctly when a person is honoring his father and mother.